Tell you what, I love being part of a church that is always sending people out, traveling, even, even if you're just traveling to visit family, wherever you go, if you're on a vacation, remember that we are ambassadors and the Lord has sent us out. And so I'm just so happy about that and uh, welcome to summertime. And it's, it's uh, exciting time for all of us. I'm really glad that you're here with so many of our regular members gone. It's good to have you here, especially those of you who are visiting. If you're here visiting family, welcome. We hope you have a wonderful time and safe travel back. If you're from Bryan College Station area, we are so happy that you are here. And if you'd like to know more about our church, we'd love to encourage you to go to our Welcome Center. We'd love to get to know you and, and let you know about our church family here. And, and maybe you are looking for a church home. We would love to be your church home. Dean Barham is uh, our preaching minister, but he is actually out of state traveling, visiting extended family and so I am here today. My name is Kelly Davidson, and I'm one of the ministers here. If you want something to last a very long time, you build it with stone. If you want to connect with the past, connect the past with the present, then you build a memorial. And you build that memorial with stone. You see, memorials help us remember. And stones, well, stones last a very long time. The most enduring monuments in our world have all been built by stone. I think back of this one right here. Who knows where this is? Yeah, it's the Pyramid of Giza. Historians say that this was built around 2570 B.C. And it's still there. It's a symbol of the riches and the power of Pharaoh there in Egypt. What about this one? It's the Parthenon. It's the symbol of democracy in Athens, built about 480 B.C. How about this one? The Taj Mahal, beautiful building, built in about 1632. And I love this because this is a symbol of love. The Shah Jahan built this after the death of his wife. She died giving birth to his son. And so this is a love monument, a symbol of love, the Taj Mahal. Yeah, I'm sure you might recognize this one. It's the Washington Monument built to honor our very first president. The freedom that we have is, as a country in the beginning of this new country led by George Washington. And then this one. It's the 9-11 memorial. It opened on September 11th, 2011, exactly 10 years after the tragic events of that day. And the slogan that you will see everywhere around the 9-11 memorial, do you remember what it is? Never forget. 
And then this is Memorial Day weekend. You probably will recognize this. Arlington National Cemetery where uh, we celebrate and remember the lives of servicemen and women who, who gave up their lives in service to our country and protecting the freedoms that we have. Our text today is all about remembering, and it involves stones. It's a sto- there's a stone memorial that's set up so that people remember. And so we're going to go to the book of Joshua. And uh, if you're looking in the, the, if you're trying to find this in the Pew Bible, it'll be in, on page 153. The book of Joshua begins with the Jewish nation ready to receive the land that was promised to Abraham nearly 500 years earlier. The people had been enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years, and then Moses led them out of Egyptian slavery and led them into wilderness. A a trip that should have lasted maybe just a couple of weeks ended up lasting over 40 years as they wandered throughout the wilderness. Then they learned to trust God for provision, and they learned what it meant to be the people of God. And now, as we, as we begin the book of Joshua, the, the journey to, to have this land that was promised to their father, Abraham, years and years, centuries ago, is so close to being completed. If you look up into the, the top right of this picture, the little circle there, that is where they were. They were on the banks, the eastern banks of the River Jordan. They could look over to the other side of the river and see this land that they had heard was promised to them for centuries, but there was an obstacle that lay in their way. There was a river that they had to cross, and the scriptures say that this river, the River Jordan, was at flood stage. And so there they were, gathered, wondering what was going to happen. Joshua goes and he tells the people. He says... In chapter 3, verse 5, he says, consecrate yourselves. That means get ready. Get ready. Pack your bags. Something's about to happen. He said, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. If you'd have been there and you heard that announcement, how would you have slept that night? I probably wouldn't have slept very well because if God comes and says, get ready, I'm about to do some amazing things, I would not want to miss it. And so, the morning they woke up, they started walking towards the river, and it was at flood stage. What's God going to do? Have you ever had a flood stage moment? A flood stage moment where you ask, what are you doing, God? Where are you? Or a flood stage moment that might be like, why now, God? Why now? I mean, had, had they crossed two or three weeks earlier, it wouldn't have been near as challenging. 
If they were just going to wait for two or three weeks later, it would be so much easier. But this is a flood stage moment. And God is taking them toward the Jordan River. The Jordan River in Hebrew means to descend or to go down. This is a river that that goes down. It drops significantly in elevation. The source of the Jordan River is Mount Hermon, which is 9,000 feet above sea level. And it flows all the way down to the Dead Sea, which is 1,400 feet below sea level. And this isn't a very long river at all. In fact, from Mount Hermon to the Sea of Galilee, it's 25 uh, 25 miles. And then at the southern end of, of the Sea of Galilee, it goes down to the Dead Sea. And that's only a distance of about 65 miles. A total of around 90 miles long is all that this river is, and it's got this great elevation drop. To to put it in perspective, the Brazos River is 1,280 miles long. A short river with a significant drop in elevation that means that the water is flowing very rapidly. And so they begin walking towards the Jordan River at flood stage. They are led by men who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And as their feet hit the edge of the river, the water stops, the scriptures say. And they walk out into the river. The water has been blocked up at the city called Adam. And they walk into the middle of the river and they stop. And all of the Israelites are able to cross the river. And they go and they camp on the west side of the river. And this is where our text begins today. Joshua 4, 2 through 7. God says to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites and to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So, they crossed the river on dry land And God tells them to take these stones and to make a memorial. Well, what's so important about remembering? What's so important about a memorial? And the text speaks to three groups of people that we're going to just look at this morning. And we're going to talk about it in reverse order. Why is a memorial 
important? Why is remembering important? Well, first of all, he says outsiders, those who, are, who don't know God, will see the stones and they will remember. They're going to say, have you heard about the God of Israel? Outsiders will see the stones. There will be people from other countries who are going to hear about the God of Israel, the God who stopped the Jordan River and allowed the people to cross over. And they're going to be saying, have you heard about our God? Have you heard about the God of Israel? Peter, centuries later, writes to a group of scattered people, Christians who are scattered and persecuted throughout the land. He draws on this metaphor, I think. I think he's probably thinking of this story when he's writing to them. He says, you also like living stones... You get that? You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He says, your lives are a memorial to the living God. Your lives reflect Jesus Christ. And so how you live is so important as, we, as you live in a, a pagan culture, reflect God so that people will see who your God is and they'll be curious. You see, Jesus said that we're supposed to live like that. He says, live as light to the world. You are a light to the world. He says, also, you are salt to the earth. We're to make a difference wherever we go. Then Jesus says, we will be known by our love. But instead of our love for power, like others might see, they will see the power of God's love lived out in our lives. And this is going to make them curious. If you keep reading in 1 Peter into the very next chapter, he says, people are... When they see you living like this, they're going to be curious. So make sure that you're ready to give an answer for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. And so outsiders are going to see the stones, and we need to be ready to talk about our God. But secondly, our children, they will see the stones. It says, in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. You see, the primary responsibility for teaching your children is you. It's you. And we as parents are supposed to have memorials. We're supposed to have things around our house or things that are part of our life, maybe the rhythm that we live that cause our children to ask, why are we doing this? Or what does this mean? And it gives us a chance to tell stories about God's faithfulness in the past. What memorials do you have in your home? in your life, in the rhythm that you live that give you opportunities to tell stories of how God has been faithful in your life. But thirdly, we see these stones ourselves and we remember. 
These stones are to be a more these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. I love what biblical scholar Ralph Davis says about this. He says, the greatest enemy of faith may be forgetfulness. And then he goes on to write and he compares it to marriage. He says, just as in a marriage, the real threat may not be infidelity, but simply a slow process of forgetting and a gradual failure to remember the preciousness of the other person. Remembering. Remembering, the discipline of remembering. It, it's reflected in our marriage. You see all the time couples who go to a restaurant and, and they're sitting there at a table and you look over and you see that they've sat there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, a half an hour and really hadn't said a word to each other. They've lost connection. And you want to go and talk to them, at least I do. I want to sit down at the table with them and I want to ask them, what was it that first attracted you to each other years ago? Tell me about your first date. What was it like when, when you got engaged? You see, the way that we can keep our marriage Alive is by remembering what it was like in the past. And the same thing is our relationship with God. Relationship with God is enhanced when we go back and remember God's faithfulness. You see, remembering rekindles our first love. Remembering helps us build trust and intimacy in relationship. We can see this with the people of God. If you read all throughout the story of the, the people of God in the scriptures, when Israel remembered, they walked faithfully with God. But when Israel forgot their first love, when they forgot who they were, if, when they forgot those times in the past, they wandered, off the path, they wandered off the path and they turned to other gods. Remembering also helps fill our hearts with gratitude. It keeps us from living with entitlement. This sense of entitlement that leaves us with anger, that leaves us with disappointment and frustration. I, I love this passage in the book of Psalms, chapter 63, where the writer of the psalm says, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I thank of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. The verse that jumps off the page to me is this with on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Have you ever had something going on in your life where it makes it difficult to sleep and you wake up in the middle of the night and you begin to worry, you begin to wonder, you be, your mind begins to go through all the what-if scenarios. What am I going to do? What, what about this? What about that? What's, what's going on? The psalmist says, 
the way that I make it through the night is I go back and I remember you. You've been so faithful to me through the years, God. I trust you in the moment because I've seen how you've acted in the past. I'd like for us to just pause right now and hear a testimony by one of our members. I'm Sarah Foster, and I've been a member here at AM Church of Christ for a very long time. Um, was here in college, and then our family settled here when our oldest was a baby. Um, our personal family has had a rough last year and a half or so. Um, we lost my mom to COVID in January of 21, and adjusting to that has been tough. Helping my dad through that has been a learning experience for all of us. And recently we had Mother's Day and we approached my mom's birthday and it really made me stop and think about all of that time. We've recently helped my dad transition to a new home and so it's a time of looking forward right at the same time I'm looking backwards. I realized that while my mom was in the hospital, um, I did a lot of posting on social media just to keep people informed. She, my mom was a person of deep relationships and there were so many that wanted to know how she was doing while she was in the hospital. And I posted frequently for them. Uh, it became my habit to always write a prayer at the end of those posts. And Facebook comes back and shares those memories with you. And as those things happen, I realize that very often, if not 99% of the time, the prayer I posted included the words, I thank you for all that you've done and for all that you're going to do. And it really struck me that, that I did that a lot and that I didn't have any earthly idea what I was thanking God for when I wrote those words. There are clearly things that God had already done. The fact that I knew those words is something God had already done. I remember my mom teaching me that song, sitting at the piano, plucking the keys out so we could learn that melody together. Um, that's something God had already done. He planted those words in my heart. He had already fostered relationships with people who were in the hospital, brothers and sisters that were there that could check on her, um, send me updates um, and stop and pray with her. Those are things God had already done. But the praying for things he was going to do, I had no idea what I was thanking him for. And so as we approached mom's birthday, I was thinking about all of the things, um, so many things. I can look back on the last year and a little bit and see that I, can, I am so thankful for. And that's what I was praying for while she was in the hospital. I didn't know it, I know it now. Most recently, um, on mom's birthday, it was a Monday morning, um, I was out here getting ready for sunshine school, setting up our kiosk to do our check-in out under the port cachet And if you've ever walked under there in the morning, you know there are birds everywhere. They roost up in there. They don't like it when we go out and set up shop because we disturb their morning routines, I think. We were doing that, getting set up, and I heard this tiny little bird song. And I started looking around and looking around, and in the rocks off to the side, I saw this little teeny tiny 
bird that had clearly been ejected from the nest before it was really ready. It was scraggly. It did not have all of its feathers. I would not describe it as beautiful. And I looked at that little bird and I thought, wow, well, if that is not a picture of what it feels like to lose your mom, I don't know what is. And as I stood there and looked at that little bird and we finished our check-in stuff and the mama bird came over and was checking on it, I just thought, this is the most beautiful picture. This is this tiny little bird who is in a place that it doesn't understand, it doesn't feel capable of moving forward. And so what it did is cry out and it cried out in this beautiful song, um, trusting that it was gonna be taken care of. And as I thought about that and looked at that, I thought, that's what that prayer is. That's the way that I, I cried out when I didn't know what else to say. I said, okay, God, I thank you for the things you've done and the things you're going to do. And now I can look back and see all of those things that he did, including sending me this little scraggly bird in the rocks um, on mom's birthday, no less, um, to remind me that we're made to do that, to remind me that we can cry out and that we will be taken care of. I'm so grateful my mom taught me that song. The words are simple. Um, for all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do. For all that you've promised and all that you are is all that has carried me through. I, I know that right now things are starting to feel lighter. Um, and we're approaching this period of things, uh, finding a new normal and, and moving forward. But I also know there's still gonna be hard times. There's gonna be new hard times that I can't expect. And my hope for myself and my hope would be for, for everybody is that when those hard times come, we can be like that little bird and we can sing out a song and even if for us in the moment it is a song of distress, that it's a song that is a song of trust. And it gets easier to trust every time I look back and see all that he's already done. It's easier to trust all that he's going to do. that you've done I will thank you for all that you're going to do for all that you've promised and all that you are is all that has carried me through Jesus I thank you and I thank you thank you Lord, and I thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving and setting me free. Thank you for giving your life just for me. How do we make it through the difficult times? Well, we go back and we remember. We remember God's faithfulness in the path, past, and it gives us 
clarity in the moment, and it gives us hope for the future. Remembrance is so, so very important for us. And so what are, what are some of the things that you've put into your life, that you've put in place to remind you of God's goodness and God's faithfulness? I've talked to many of you the past couple of weeks, and I've heard stories about a manna jar. That's what they call it, a manna jar, a jar that's sitting there uh, prominently in the house, and every time there's an answer to prayer, every time there's, a, t- there's a, a, a moment in which they see God's power and glory, they write it down and they put it in the jar, and regularly throughout the year they'll pull these out and read them, looking at the past, in order to have hope for the future. I've talked to families that that have stones in their backyards. And these are stones that they put in there intentionally, and they they write on the stones to help them remember why that stone is there and what it represents. There's some of you who's whose houses are just like proclamations of God's glory. Just walking through, looking at the walls, there's pictures of things that God has done, things that remind you of God's power, God's presence, scripture that, were, that meant so much to you at, at certain times, and you've got it on the wall so that you hope that people will ask you about, but you always draw strength from that as well. Some of you are good journalers, and you are journaling about God's faithfulness. And every day, you will be able to write down times in which you remember how God has acted, how God has worked to bring blessing to your life, to show His presence. And so we're going to close right now with a prayer, and this is a prayer that I would like for us to say together. And after this prayer, we're going to sing a song It'll be, and we'll be dismissed. If you are here and you want to talk more about this, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, if you're ready to be baptized, I hope that you'll come up. I'll be up here at the front. There'll be people in the Welcome Center. We hope that you will respond in your own way to God's teaching, God's Word today. But let's close with this prayer about remembering. And read it all together with me, please. Lord, I worry because I forget your wisdom. I resent because I forget your mercy. I covet because I forget your beauty. I sin because I forget your holiness. I fear because I forget your sovereignty. You always remember me. Help me to remember you. Amen. Let's sing together.